0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. So our springboard scripture is Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26 where the Bible said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Now the transference of spirits is seen in many places in the scripture. Now this is a broad subject. There's absolutely no way in the world I can cover it or exhaust it tonight. But uh, we'll just have a bird's eye view of it tonight and we'll see what the Lord wants. We may do another uh, week or two on this. The transfer of spirits is seen in many places in the scripture. Now, the spiritual transfer of spirits can be either good or it can be bad. Now, the transference of a spirit is different than impartation. It's similar, but it's different than impartation. Impartation is something that is done where people lay their hand upon you, and they pray over you, Paul told Timothy to neglect not the gift that was given him by the laying on of Paul's hands. And so he laid his hand upon him, and there was a transference, or there was an impartation that took place. And some of the things that were in Paul were imparted unto him. Uh, We transfer a lot of things. We transfer knowledge. I mean, I I, I teach my kids. I'm still teaching my kids. I guess I'll probably teach them for the rest of my life. As long as they want to keep learning from old dad, I'll uh, just keep giving them the wisdom that that I can. We transfer that knowledge to them. But knowledge is not enough, is it? Just because we know how to do something or we know what we should do or shouldn't do, just because we know that doesn't mean that uh, we're going to do it. I mean, the Bible addresses this when it says that we are to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only, deceiving our own selves. So we can know about God and not know God. We can know what to do and not do it. In fact, I've told my wife a few times, you know, here lately, i said, you know, with the church there are things, because we're having to structure, there were so many loose ends, we were surprised. There were so many, And I told her, I said, honey, we know what to do, we just have to do it. It's going to be a little more labor intensive than what we thought, and we're bringing it back in. And she, she uh, bless her heart, she looked at me last night when she got in the car, and she said, I'm starting to feel just a little bit organized now. I said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we transfer knowledge, right? And, 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 but the transfer of knowledge is not uh, good enough. We have to act upon the knowledge that is transferred. Another thing we transfer is we transfer wealth. Look at the prodigal son. You know, we transfer wealth. Uh, someone uh, can, can take the wealth that's been transferred to them and use it for God's kingdom and good things, or, or they can use it for bad things, the story of the prodigal son. So the transference of spirits is found all throughout the Bible. I want to begin tonight by talking about spiritual transfers that assist us in our walk with God. In Numbers chapter 11, verses 16 through 17, we find a passage of Scripture where Moses... The Bible said that Moses was becoming overwhelmed with all of the work that he had to do with the children of Israel. There were about three million Israelites and he was trying to lead a nation by himself. And he went to God and he said, God, what am I going to do? And his father-in-law came to him and his father-in-law said to him, you're going to have to get yourself some help. And so Moses went to the Lord and he was talking to the Lord. And here's what the Lord said to Moses in Numbers eleven sixteen through 17. Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tent of meeting and let them stay there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there and I will take of the Spirit which is upon you and will put it upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not have to bear it by yourself. So this is an example where a spiritual transfer can assist us in our walk with God. It can assist us in our life. And so God took of the Spirit the leadership spirit that was upon Moses, the anointing that was upon Moses, and he spread it out and and he gave it to 70. Now, I want you to notice something here, okay? God's big enough to give everybody a full dose. That's what I want you to notice here. God's big enough to give everybody a full dose. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to take this spirit that's upon Moses and divide it up 70 different ways and you'll get a little bit and you'll get a little bit and you'll get... No, no. The Bible said the spirit that was upon Moses came upon them. And so they received the fullness of everything that they needed in their leadership capacity to be able to help Moses lead the nation of Israel. And so that transference of spirit, God specifically said, I'm going to take up the spirit that's on you and put that spirit upon them. Now, look in verses 25 through 29 here. Joshua later received a spiritual transfer, but he was pretty upset because there was a couple of people that actually did not come. And the Bible said that when the, when the, uh, when the Lord came upon them, well, let's just go there. Let's just go to uh, the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. It's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So Genesis chapter 11, and let's, let's read verses 25 through 29. It's a very interesting passage here. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto Moses and took of the Spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. So there was an outward expression of the reception of, of the impartation of that spirit. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad did prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. Now, there's something here I want you to see in verse number 28, okay? This was Joshua, the same Joshua that later would lead the children of Israel, but he was in training. And so sometimes when young men and young women or young ministers are in training and they're beginning to receive a spiritual transfer, sometimes they make choices that are not necessarily conducive to wise leadership and that's why it's important after we receive a spiritual transfer someone to still stay connected to that person for the purposes of mentoring and for the purposes of direction. And Moses said unto Joshua... Envious thou for thy sake, would that God, to God, that all the people there were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So he said this. He said, I would to God that they all prophesied it. And I think that's what every spiritual leader, every spiritual leader should have that same spirit. Every spiritual leader should be, Lord, whatever you could do for them to elevate them, to help them, to help them grow. Lord, then let them grow. Now, people that are not spiritual leaders, people who are concerned and they're operating in the flesh, many times get concerned and they try to hold people back. And so we've got to be careful about that, don't we? Then in, verse, uh, in Numbers chapter 27, verses 18 through 23, just a, a couple of chapters over. Numbers chapter 27, we see where there was a transference of the anointing that was upon Moses to Joshua. Now Joshua was the one that was finding fault. But you see, we're several chapters over now. We're several years later now. Joshua has been growing. Joshua stuck with Moses and Moses stuck with Joshua. And so it came time for the transference of the anointing that was upon Moses to come upon Joshua. And so the Bible says here in verses 18 through 23, When Joshua was about to become the successor of Moses, we see the process here. First of all, in verse number 18, the Bible instructed Moses, God instructed Moses and said, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to lay your hand on him. I want you to impart to him. I want you to lay your hand upon him. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to charge him before the priest, the priest Eliezer. I want you to charge him before the priest and the congregation. And then in verse number 20, he said, I want you to put some of your honor and authority upon him. But he didn't say put it all. He said just put some. You say, well, how come he would put some of it on there? Because we have to take the responsibility to start on this leadership journey ourselves and allow God to develop us. Because the path that we walk, even though it may be similar of our predecessors, it's it's not going to be the same. And so there are challenges that we will face that other people did not face. I'll give you a great example of that, okay? We have electronic church today. We have electronic church on on media. We have electronic church on the internet. We have electronic church on television. We have it on Roku. We have it everywhere. When I was growing up, you had three channels. ABC, NBC, and CBS. And guess who the remote was? Me. Son, go change that channel. And I was the remote. How many remember crawling up on top of the, of, of the roof and, and, and taking the, you know, like this, and they're hollering out the window, just a little bit more. See, I'm a little older than, than what I look. <laughs> Okay, but today you don't have to do that because we have cable systems and we have IPTV and we have all of this, all of these kinds of things. Okay, so he put some of his honor and authority upon him that all the congregation of Israel would see it and obey him. And then in verse number twenty-one, Eleazar the high priest prayed over him, and then the priest and the congregation. Submitted to his authority because God instructed Moses, tell Joshua to tell the children of Israel to go into the house of God and come out of the house of God. And so it was Joshua's turn to stand up and to step into his authority and exercise authority that was there and tell the people to go in. And so what was happening was God was saying to the people in front of the people, in front of the congregation through Moses and through Eliezer that Joshua now is stepping into this place of authority. Verses 22 and 23, Moses obeyed the Lord and he released that post to Joshua. Now, why did you you go through all that? Because I want you to see that there is a divine order every time there is an authentic spiritual transfer that is going to help us live for God. Any time, now listen to me very, very closely here, okay? Any time, that, that, that divine order is not followed, then it's not a transfer from God. People say, well, bless God, I'm just ready. I'm just going to go ahead and step out. And you know what? Uh, they, they might think that I'm not ready, but I'm just going to go right ahead. I'm, I know how to do that. I know what I'm going to And they step out and what happens is they make a big mess of everything. And and see, here's what happened. You'll notice the divine order in this process. God spoke to Moses and Moses was willing to pass the mantle. Joshua was submitted to the will of God even though he was afraid. Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8, Even as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Don't be afraid. And then the priests and the congregation were made aware of the process. They participated through obedience to the will of God. And listen to this. Don't miss this. Honor was prominent throughout the entire process. You can spot a demonic transfer when honor is absent. Did you hear me? You can always spot demonic transfers when honor is absent because everything that God does, He bases on love. Everything that Satan does... He bases on pride. And so you'll hear stuff like, well, you know, I don't need them to do my ministry. You know, or, you know, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's pride. Call it what you want to, it's pride. What you're saying is, I'm so spiritual, I don't need anybody. That's not true. I love you, and I'm gonna tell you the truth. That's not true. That's spiritual arrogance. So don't fall into that trap, okay? Honor will be prominent through the entire process. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 2, we find the same thing taking place. The spirit of Elijah was transferred to Elisha. So there's, you know, that, that's that's a, a pretty good, you know, kind of a pretty good foundation of what we're talking about here tonight. We need to be able to ascertain whether what's happening here is a spiritual transfer or a demonic transfer, if it's a godly transfer or if it's a demonic transfer. Now let's talk about a few uh, spiritual transfers that hinder the work of God, okay? We talked about those that help us and assist us in walking with God. Now we're going to talk about a few that hinder the work of God, and then we're going to talk about what we can do about it, okay? So let's look at a few biblical examples briefly. And I'm not saying that these spirits exist in this church. I'm giving us... Information so that all of us can uh, kind of take an inventory here. In Isaiah chapter fourteen, we have what we what I like to call the Lucifer spirit, and that spirit is the spirit that says, "I want credit for everything." That's what it says. I'll take the glory. I'll take the credit. Lucifer got tired of God getting all the credit and in a spirit of, of pride and trying to exalt himself above God, he became rebellious and when he became rebellious, he refused to submit himself to the authority of God and he tried to steal God's glory instead of reflect it back to him. Satan's problem, I've said this before, but there's new, newer folks here tonight. Satan's problem was that when he stood in the presence of God, the Bible said from the brightness before God, coals of fire were kindled. Satan's problem was when he stood in the presence of God, the brightness was so strong that he would get lost in the brightness and people couldn't see him. So a Lucifer spirit is a spirit that is not submitted to spiritual authority and is constantly wanting credit. I... I, you know, I, I went over to that church and I worked in that ministry and you know what? They never ever mentioned me from the pulpit. That's a Lucifer spirit. That's the kind of spirit that Satan carried, okay? Uh, and when we're always looking for credit, because see, listen, listen, when you get far enough into the ministry and you get to living for the Lord and you love God, you realize real quick, none of this is about me. You know, none of this is about me. I I just love, and I told somebody the other day, I said, you know what, I just love God. You know, I just want to work for Him. I just want to please God. You know, I've been that way for 40 years, over that, over 40 years now. I just want to please God. I just want to love God, you know. I'm not interested in all of this, you know, he said, she said, fight, drama, blah, 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 blah stuff. I just want to love God. I just want to please God. I just want to teach the word. I just want to help you grow in the Lord. And if you're around me very long, you'll find out that uh, I don't have a very strong ear for drama. I just walk away. It's a Lucifer spirit. Then then there's another spirit that hinders the work of God and that spirit is a Saul spirit. The Saul spirit uh, almost destroyed Israel. Saul was anointed and used of God, but he reached a point where the spirit of God left him And he didn't repent but he became jealous of everyone that God tried to raise up and that spirit of jealousy rose in him and and he tried to destroy anointed people around. This spirit is prominent in a lot of churches today and it's very difficult in some environments if the pastor and the leadership doesn't understand and recognize it and get it out of the way. God, sometimes that spirit is so prominent that God can't birth powerful ministries in some churches because that soul spirit, that spirit of jealousy is there. And people are constantly, a soul spirit is this, people become afraid that others will outshine them. It's a jealous spirit. So it hinders the work of God. A jealous spirit will hinder the work of God. In 3 John we find another spirit. John wrote about Diotrephes who liked to have, the Bible said he liked to have preeminence. This means he liked control. He liked to be in control. Before any church can do anything for God this spirit must be broken. This spirit must be broken. You can't Do great things for God if you are trying to work with a bunch of controlling personalities. God made us to need each other. One of the things that I'm constantly teaching this staff over and over and over, I'll tell them God didn't call us to be dictators, He called us to be leaders. And there's a difference between dictatorship and leadership. Dictatorship is this controlling spirit. Dictatorship says it's got to be my way and bless God it's my way or the highway. Leadership is this. Leadership says come on, let's go do this and you jump out in front and you take the hits first and you live and lead in a way where people are not forced to follow, they're inspired to follow. So there's a difference between leadership and dictatorship. You should never... When you're living for God, you should never feel forced by individuals to do things. You should be inspired. The Word of God is, it, it inspires us. It doesn't force us. The love of God constrains us. This is what the Scripture says. The love of God will constrain you. Listen, I don't do the works of the flesh, not because I'm afraid of going to hell. I don't do the works of the flesh because I love God too much. I don't want to disappoint him. I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to hurt his credibility. I don't want to make the cross of Christ of none effect and bring him to an open shame. So I'm constantly just trying to live for God, the very best that I know how, and live according to the precepts of God's Word. And so so that spirit, that that is a controlling spirit. Uh, The Diotrephus, who liked to have preeminence, was a controlling spirit. Now, listen, listen to this. That controlling spirit never works in a spirit-filled church. And here's the reason. You can't control the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What does the Holy Spirit do? He constantly guides us and leads us to Jesus Christ. Okay? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then He said, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So when you follow that through, when the Spirit of the Lord is in the house, not only is there liberty, but there's also freedom. There's freedom. And so a controlling spirit cannot thrive in a free environment and people that are controlling never stay around here they might hang in for a year or two or something like that but they never stay around here because you know they they try to control and we're just like yeah okay well whatever you know hallelujah praise the lord glory to god we're gonna love the lord we're gonna do the things of the lord and so uh yeah god wants to do a lot but he can't do it when there's a spirit around that says it's got to be my way or the highway. Another spirit that, that uh, hinders that hinders the work of God. And, and, and I'm, I'm giving you these spirits. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you about these spirits because I want you to understand that every single one of these spirits can be transferred to you by someone who is carrying that spirit. Okay? So you've got to be very careful about that, Okay? The ten spies had an unbelieving spirit. Numbers chapter 13, 25 through 33, they came back and they said, there's no way in the world that we can take that land. Joshua and Caleb felt totally different, but the ten spies came back and said, my goodness, there's giants in that land and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. And that spirit of fear, that spirit of unbelief ran through the entire congregation of Israel and they didn't get to go into the land of promise because of that spirit was transferred to them. So it was an unbelieving spirit. An unbelieving spirit will stop you from the promises of God in your life, from experiencing the promises of God in your life. I am concerned that there are a whole lot of people that leave this earth and go to heaven and they could have lived a much better life if they would have just listened to the word of God and, and positioned themselves to receive the promise of God in their life. Judges chapter 9, verses 23, there was a spirit of ill will that was between Abimelech and Shechem. And so they were constantly, you know, had a bad spirit toward each other and they were fighting with one another and bickering with one another and quarreling with one another. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse number 15, the Bible says this that we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so we see there is a spirit of bondage. And so a spirit of bondage can be transferred to you. A spirit of ill will can be transferred to you. An unbelieving spirit can be transferred to you. The Lucifer spirit, a foul spirit like Saul had can be transferred to you. A controlling spirit can be transferred to you. So you say to me, well, Pastor, I don't want those spirits transferred to me, so what do I do? Well, here's what you do, and here's what I tell my kids all of the time. Quit being influenced and start being an influencer. You be strong enough in yourself. You be strong enough in your heart. You be strong enough in your faith. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Get strong enough in the word of God where when the devil tries to rock you, nothing happens. Just just fall in love with God. How can we guard against these kinds of spiritual transfers? You know, people are the way that they are because they get around the wrong people and, they, and, and those spirits, they can be wonderful one day. They can be wonderful for a year, for two years, four years, five years. And all of a sudden, you, you can see them change almost overnight. The reason is because they got around the wrong kind of people who were operating in a Lucifer spirit, a controlling spirit or something like that. And they started feasting with them, talking with them, hanging out with them. And that spirit jumped off on them. Sometimes they get free and when they do, they turn around and they say, oh my goodness, what happened to me? Now here's how we can guard against it, okay? And and, and this is a series on spiritual warfare and I just want to make this statement right here, okay? Part of spiritual warfare is carrying the right spirit. Spiritual warfare is not just prayer. I said spiritual warfare is not just prayer. We talk about spiritual warfare and the first thing that people want to think about is binding and loosening. And the reason is because in the 90s, in the late 80s, in the early 90s, this this teaching just took off in the church, you know. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And all So we had people going around, I bind that, I loose that, I bind that, I loose that. And so I'm going to go into spiritual warfare, I'm just going to bind up a whole bunch of things. I'm just going to loose a whole bunch. And they think that spiritual warfare, no, no, no. Spiritual warfare isn't just prayer. Spiritual warfare isn't just commanding. Spiritual warfare isn't just binding and loosing. Can I say this loud and clear? Y'all ready for this? Spiritual warfare is about 90% conduct. Conduct. The devil will not mess with you if when he looks at you, he knows they'll hold their ground. So part of spiritual warfare is carrying the right spirit and not only carrying it, but spreading it everywhere that we go. So if the enemy can transfer lying spirits, and there's all kinds of other spirits, if the enemy can transfer lying spirits, if he can transfer controlling spirits, if he can transfer unbelieving spirits and bondage spirits and all of that kind of stuff, if he can transfer that, now listen very closely once again, everything that Satan does, he does as a counterfeit to something that God has already done. You know why? because he don't have enough sense to come up with anything authentic. He is so jealous of God. He is so jealous of God and His power and His authority. He is so jealous of Him that he is consumed with trying to be like Him. So if these spirits can transfer, if these bad spirits can transfer, then that means that good spirits can transfer too, okay? So not only should we carry the right spirit, but we should, we should spread those spirits everywhere that we go. Here's a few of them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 20, here's what the Bible says. Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? A spirit of gentleness, 1 Corinthians 2.21 talks about a spirit of gentleness. God wants us to be gentle. Just because you are gentle doesn't mean you are weak. Just because you are meek doesn't mean you are weak. I can say, I said no! Or I can say, no. And just because I said I said no, or no, just because I said it one way or the other. That's, that's not where the power comes from. You know where the power comes from? What I back it up with. I learned that a long time ago with my kids because I grew up in kind of a volatile environment with uh, one of my parents, and that's what I knew. And so I tried that, and it didn't work. And then I watched my father-in-law for a while. And I think he whooped Donna one time when she was growing up. He should have whooped her more, but he... he, <laughs> he I think he whooped her one time, gave her a good whooping one time when they were growing up. And she remembers that whooping from t- to this day. Now, now, Vic's a different story. She said, Mom did the whipping. She said, She whooped me almost every day. <laughs> I can see that. But... But, the, but there's a gentle spirit. Gentleness can produce power. Gentleness can produce power. And so I learned, I can look at my kids and say, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and they'll look at me, and if I back it up, then that's what they respect. They know if Daddy said no... It's not the volume of my voice, it's what I back it up with. And so that's a gentle spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 21 talks about a gentle spirit. Now, if I have a gentle spirit and I model a gentle spirit in front of my children, then chances are my children are going to catch that gentle spirit if as the leader of this church and and you guys know you know i mean some people come in here and they say you're not even pentecostal and the reason they think that is because god didn't wire me to preach like this it's just not me. It's not how God wired me. God wired me to teach the Word of God. God wired me to get the Word of God inside of you. And so I said, I'm not going to be influenced by what people think I ought to be. I'm going to be influenced by what God made me. And God gave me a gentle demeanor when it comes to the Word of God. And, and, and I found through the years that people are much more receptive to that gentle demeanor. Demeanor. And so now, people that that come here and they learn leadership when they're released into ministry, many of them, if they are around long enough and receive the impartation and that spiritual transfer and they walk in honor and they live in honor, they carry that same gentle spirit and that same gentle demeanor. They caught it when they were around us and they realize I can be spirit filled I can can lay hands on people and say Father in the name of Jesus we take authority over that sickness and disease and we command it to go in the name of Jesus and speak to your body to be made whole and they can be healed just as quickly as someone that says come out in the name of Jesus I'm not finding fault I'm saying there's different styles we need, to, we, we need to allow the right kind of spirits to be transferred into our life. And then the Bible talks about the spirit that Barnabas carried. The spirit that Barnabas carried was a spirit of what I call helps and encouragement. People with this spirit are always looking for people who are down and out, who are hurt and they're trying to help them and they're trying to encourage them. And these kind of people, people that have a Barnabas spirit are not fault finders at all. In fact, they're healers. They reach out and they try to help people who are hurting. They reach out and they try to help people who are down and out. And that's a Barnabas spirit. Now that would be a good spirit for this church to catch, wouldn't it? It would be a really good spirit for this church to catch. And when we have that kind of spirit operating in our life, then that is total, the total opposite of a controlling spirit and it's the antidote to a controlling spirit, an encouraging spirit. Proverbs 16 and 19 talks about having a humble spirit. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide your spoil with the proud. Humility produces power. God wants us to be humble. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven talks of a calm spirit. That's kind of like the gentle spirit, isn't it? He who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. That calm spirit can can transition. You let somebody come in here that has a controlling spirit and you watch how fast it tries to spread if we let it. You let someone else come in here who has a a calm spirit and they walk in the anointing, you know, like calmness and and they walk in that anointing and that will spread too. That will spread too. So whatever we let spread into our life, whatever we let transfer into us is what we get. So we have to make those quality decisions. And then Exodus chapter 28 and verse number 3 says this. It talks of a spirit of wisdom. It says, So shall you speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as a priest. And so we see where the Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom. And there are many other uh, scriptures uh, that talk about different kinds of spirits. But here's, here's the point that I want to I really, really get across tonight, okay? We have to make a choice on what we allow in our lives. Because the people that we are around, the influences that we allow, if you keep listening to negative junk long enough, guess what? You're going to turn out to be a negative person. But if you hang out with people that are positive and you hang out with people that have faith and you have, hang out with people, you know, that are, that are not negative all of the time, then you're going to become more positive and you're going to feel better. You're going to feel better. You know, all of us have those times when we try to get through the moly grubs or we try to go through the moly grubs. You know what David said? He said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. So in other words, he encouraged himself and he became an encourager as a result. Look at all of the Psalms that he wrote. He became an encourager as a result. So in closing tonight, I want to I just kind of share this with you. God will help us with this. He'll help us decide what kind of spirit we're going to uh, you know, uh, allow into our life. The enemy will fight against us. He'll war against us. He'll try to transition spirits inside. But anything that, that the devil offers you is nothing but a counterfeit for the genuine. And he'll do everything that he can to try to defeat you. Here's what the Bible says. Exodus, or Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. That was our springboard scripture. God was saying, I'll help you with this. We need to allow the spirit that Jesus carried to be transferred to us. We need to allow his spirit of compassion, his spirit of love, his spirit of care, his spirit of kindness, his spirit of forgiveness. We need to allow those spirits to be transferred to us. You say, well, how do I get those spirits transferred to me? You come into relationship with Him. You get to know Him through the study of His Word, through reading the Bible, through good fellowship with Good people who are interested in talking about the things of God and the and the good things of God and what the Word of God says. You hang out with those kinds of people. You don't hang out with bitter people. You don't hang out with manipulative people. You don't hang out with people who are prone to drama. You don't hang out with people like that. No, you hang out with people who are walking in a gentle spirit, in a kind spirit, in a word spirit, in a spirit where they just love God and they... They love other people and that's the, that's the kind of person that you will become. If your life is chaos, it's because you're hanging out with the wrong folks. I hate to tell you that, but it's the truth. Well, what if they're my family? You're hanging out with the wrong folks. Just because you're, they're your family, they might be able to eat at your table, but they don't have to transfer things into your life. You become the influencer instead of the influenced John chapter 20 verses 19 through 22 in the Amplify. Then the same day at evening, no this is not the Amplify. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut before the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. He transferred peace to them. He transferred peace right after after Calvary. I mean they had been through an extremely traumatic event. Obviously Jesus had. But Jesus came to minister to them. because Think about it. I mean, they had walked with him. They had talked with him. They had been on the same road. They had ate at the same table for three and a half years. And then they stood off in the shadows and watched a brutal murder take place of this man that they loved. And Jesus, I mean, we never think about things like that, do we? And Jesus appears to them. And he doesn't say, hey, what's for dinner? No, he immediately speaks to their pain. And he says, peace be with you. He transferred peace into their life where there was confusion and chaos and hurt and pain. He transferred peace into their life. And then the Bible says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And so he was transferring the Spirit of God that he operated in to them because he knew that he was getting ready to go away and he knew that they were going to have to have some strength and some stamina because the road that lay ahead of them was going to be was going to be full of turmoil, and it's going to be full of tribulation and trouble and pain. And so he said, first of all, I'm going to give you peace, and then secondly, here's the Holy Ghost. Have the Holy Ghost. Now, God can change our spirit. The spirit that, that, that we, you know, you say, well, Pastor... You know, I've noticed tonight that there are some of those things you're talking about. I mean, I I want that calm spirit. I want that gentle spirit. I want these things in my life. But but there are, you know, things you're talking about tonight that I see in myself that maybe was transferred to me from someone or maybe an environment that I was in. And I recognize that tonight. And you say, well, what do I do? Well, listen, God can change your spirit because that's how he is. He's powerful like that. So I want to read to you, this is our last passage, I want to read to you in Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 through 3 and I want to read this in the Amplified. If you want to read it in the King James, that's fine, but I want to read it in the Amplified because it expands it. You know, it amplifies it. Verse number 1, here's what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, the poor, and the afflicted. This is Jesus in the temple. He sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of His favor, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Verse number 3, to grant consolation and joy. To those who mourn in Zion. To give them an ornament, a garland or a diadem of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Transferring spirits. Are you seeing that? The oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment expresses expressive of praise instead of a heavy, burdened, and failing spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God as the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God can change your spirit. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The oil of joy for those who mourn. And he said right there, that's why God sent me. That's why he sent me. He sent me to speak to the broken pieces of your life and put them back together again. Listen to me if you don't hear any statement I make tonight. Listen to this one. God will heal you where you hurt. God will heal you where you hurt. That's just how He is. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number 4 jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida 34669 or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and thursdays 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. remember the word will work if you work the word